lot, that's the commercial over. But it's great to be with you this morning, and thank you very much for inviting me, and uh, I do love coming out to preach, and it's something that the Lord has laid on my heart. But PWP, you think, what on earth is PWP? Recently, I've been thinking about church and uh, <clears throat> what it is to be a Christian. And did you realise that as a Christian, we should be PWP, Christians? Confused? We should be praying, worshipping, and proclaiming Christians. PWP, Christians. So the Lord laid on my heart to preach about these three things, prayer, worship, and proclamation. Well, unfortunately, you're only going to get the one this morning, prayer. Okay, oh, thank you. Well, you might not after this. <laughs> but uh, we're going to read to start off with. If you've got your Bibles, we'll read uh, Acts chapter 4, you know, verses 23 to 31. As soon as they were freed, Peter and John found the other believers and told them what the leading priests and elders had said. Then all the believers were united as they lifted their voices in prayer. Lord, creator in heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them, you spoke long ago by the Holy Spirit through our ancestor, King David, your servant, saying, Why did the nations rage? Why did the people waste their time with futile plans? The kings of the earth prepared for battle. The rulers gathered against the Lord and against the Messiah. This is what happened here in this city. For Herod Antipas... Pontius Pilate, the governor of the Gentiles, and the people of Israel were all united against Jesus, your holy servant, whom you anointed. In fact, everything they did occurred according to your eternal will and plan. And now, O Lord, hear their threats and give your servants great boldness in their preaching. Send your healing power. May your miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After this prayer, the building where they were meeting shook and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they preached God's message with boldness. Let's just pray. We thank and praise you, Lord, that uh, we can come into your house and, and study your word. We pray that we can come and worship you. We pray, Lord, that we can come, learn about you, and then go and proclaim your wonders about your salvation and about your greatness. So come now, Lord. Just take this half an hour, Lord. Open our ears to hear the word of God. Open our hearts to be responsive to the word of God. And then take our hearts, take our hands, take our mouths, take our feet, take our hands. And may they be instruments worshipping and proclaiming the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. But this time in our, our country, we're under great pressure as Christians, aren't we? Christians seem to be marginalised. Christians' don't, word doesn't seem to count for anything anymore. And morals and uh, Christian values seem to be pushed aside. And we're living in an age where Christian values just aren't worth anything anymore, are they, really? To the, to the common people. But as Christians, we need to be bold. We need to stand up. We need to proclaim the word of God. The only way which we can do that is through prayer. But prayer, what is it? 
You know, Jesus' example, he got up early in the morning. He went out to pray. He taught us how to pray, didn't he, with the Lord's Prayer in Matthew's, Matthew 5. But why is prayer so important? If we look down in history, we can see that every re revival began with a prayer meeting. If we look at the Wesleyan revival and uh, uh, the, the Methodist uh, connection, they, that started with John Wesley with the Moravians. Now, Count Zindensdorf started a 100-year prayer meeting. It started in 1727, and it never stopped praying for a 100 years. In 1791, after 65 years, they'd sent out 300 missionaries. They took their idea from Leviticus 6, verse 13, where it says, the sacred fire was never permitted to go out on the altar. Continual prayer, praying for the nations, praying for people. And this led to a great awakening in Europe. John Wesley was totally influenced by the Moravians. And then through the Holy Club, which he was part of, he became converted. And that was at an all-night prayer meeting. It was in 1739, a love feast, and they spent the night in prayer, and John Wesley had that wonderful conversion experience. If we go on further in history, and we see between 1800 and 1839, we get the Ranters Revival, which started at Mocop and Hugh Bourne, and they had cottage prayer meetings. It overflowed to a field outside and it was a place where they prayed and they worshipped God and a tremendous revival took place, starting out and bringing about the primitive Methodists. And then we get Spurgeon, who created a prayer meeting and was so enamoured by this prayer meeting that another revival occurred. Then we get in 1904, the Welsh Revival. Tremendous revival where Evan Roberts met Seth Johnson and they had a prayer meeting. And Evan Roberts was that disappointed because they knelt down in the middle of the room and cried, bend us, O Lord. Three words, bend us, O Lord. But what happened? The Lord came, the Holy Spirit came and touched those two men and a great revival came about. But what is prayer? Is prayer important for us today? Well, I want to say to you, it's vitally important. It's as important as the breath we breathe. Prayer is that important for the Christian. You know, there's tremendous power in the place of prayer. There's tremendous grace when we engage with God in prayer. You know, prayer is the way which God gets things moving. You know, we are contending for the fullness and completeness of God in our lives. You know, we are on a journey. So often we talk about journeys, don't we? We get in the car and we drive somewhere and we're travelling from A to B. And we use a, a, a vehicle, a tool. Well, prayer is a tool. It is a vehicle to take us into the presence of God. It takes us, prayer takes us towards the fullness of God in our lives, in our families, in our marriages, in our jobs. You know, God has so much more for us if we will only get down on our knees and pray. So often in life we're told to, to settle for mediocre things, aren't we? Oh, be contented in what you have. 
But in a way, it's wrong. Because God says, don't settle for the mediocre. God says, travel towards the fullness of the Holy Spirit, to the fullness of God. Don't settle in our church for the mediocre. Don't settle for, our, for the mediocre in our lives. You know, God has more for us. But that leads us to think, is there a desire in our lives for the more of God? All of that psalm where it says, Seek ye the Lord. Are you hungry for God this morning? Are you hungry for our families to meet God? Are you hungry for our communities to meet God? You know, our relationship with God deepens in prayer. When we talk to him, when we listen to him, we have a relationship, and our relationship deepens. Now, I don't know about you, when I get home of work, I sit in the chair, and I go to sleep. And I don't talk much. And then Annette says to me, well, are you going to talk to me? You know, God loves to hear us talk to him. God loves us to pray to him and speak to him. You know, 1 John 5, 14 to 15 says, This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears, hears us, whatever we ask, whatever we ask of him will be answered. This means that our God in prayer is a prayer answering God. You know, we can have confidence in approaching God because he's our father. He loves us. And not only that, he hears us whatever we ask. God is a prayer answering God. But not only that, prayer precedes God's moving. You know, I love Psalm 24. Who is the king of glory? The Lord of Almighty. He is the King of Glory. Now, prayers God, prayer is God's way of getting things moving. It is a way of birthing. It is a way of birthing everything. It is the way of birthing a deliverance. It is the way of bringing revival. It is a way of bringing a transition. It is a way of moving people from one level up onto the next level. You know, Billy Graham once said, to get nations back on their feet, we must first get them on their knees. Let's just have a look at a few people in uh, the Old Testament who prayer was tr a tremendous way of blessing to them. There's a great little verse in Genesis 4, 26 which says, at that time, men began, began to call upon the Lord. You know, in our nation today, we need to call upon the Lord, don't we? For deliverance. To see his kingdom come upon this place. And then in chapter 5, Enoch was born. And it was a great promise, a first sign of the prophetic that an end time army will come. You know, Enoch had a relationship with God. Enoch prayed. Enoch walked steadfastly with the Lord. He had a close relationship 
with the Lord. Jude 20 says, continue to pray as you are directed by the Holy Spirit. Continue, continue, continue to pray. Pray, says, doesn't Paul says in the, in the letters, pray continually, pray without ceasing. Then if we go into uh, Exodus and we, we read of Moses, and there we read about the, the people crying out to God, praying to God for deliverance. And what did the Lord say? He said, I have seen the misery of my people in Israel. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out onto a land of good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. You know, prayer brought forth a deliverance. God heard their cry. He raised up a man, Moses, and he took them out of that horrible land into a land of milk and honey. You know, we needed deliverance, don't we, in this country. Then we read about Anna. She prayed in a new season. She was a prophetess, a daughter of Penael, uh, of the tribe of Asher. Now, she was quite old. She had lived with a husband for seven years after her marriage and then was widowed for 84 years. Wow. And then she never left the temple day or night and continued to pray and to fast. And then she came to that moment where God brought the child, the Jesus, in front of her so she could see the redemption of Israel. You know, Simeon did the same, didn't he? He prayed and fasted. But what do we do instead of praying? We complain, don't we? Perhaps we should start praying instead of complaining. You know, prayer precedes blessing. Prayer precedes freedom. Prayer brings clarity. Prayer brings divine assistance. Yes, prayer brings clarity. It brings a spirit of uh, wisdom and revelation to see clearly what to do. So often you probably found in your own lives, haven't you? You've gone to the prayer meeting or you've prayed privately and all of a sudden you get a clarity and a way forward. The Lord is leading you. Prayer brings divine assistance. He gives you strength. He gives you boldness to go forward. He gives you unshakable confidence in God and is calling upon you. You know, prayer pushes back the powers of darkness. It shifts the spiritual atmosphere in our families, in the workplaces, in churches, in communities and in cities. And don't we need that nowadays? We need to push back the powers of darkness so that the Holy Spirit and that the power of God may come and transform people's lives. You know, prayer brings spiritual ease. It is the oil of the Spirit flowing through us. You know, strength, that prayer brings strength to our inner beings, to our mind, to our will, and to our emotions. You know, prayer brings God's 
purposes into manifestation upon the earth. Prayer is the only way to build up our spiritual lives. It is the only way to grow in mature matureness into the fullness of what God has for you and for me. And yet so often we try with the natural, don't we? We think we can do it on our own. We think we don't need prayer. But we must pray. We must pray and pray through every situation. Pray in our lives. But not only that, we must pray with others. I don't know about you, but um, I'll lead the prayer meeting at Upper Gorn and I'll get so disappointed, really. Out of a congregation of probably a hundred, we get four or five praying in the prayer meeting. You know, the prayer meeting is the powerhouse of God. When we come together, each one of us, with one with another, God hears us. Again, if we look back into the Old Testament, we see the story about Jehoshaphat. There was a vast army coming up from Eden, from the other side of the Dead Sea. And they were really worried. So the people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. They prayed to God for deliverance. And what happened? They had a tremendous victory. Coming together to seek help from the Lord has victory. Then we read about Jonah, don't we? Nineveh. What happened there? The people came together, didn't they? And they covered themselves with sackcloth. And they called urgently upon God. They gave up all their evil ways and they turned from violence. And when God saw what they were doing, coming together and praying, he heard their voice and he relented and he didn't bring destruction upon Nineveh. They turned to God. They got together and they prayed. And they sought God together. You know, I was so thrilled with the, the love of the black country, the prayer meeting, when those, all those people came together to pray to God for the black country and for our country. You know, Jesus says in Matthew 18, 20, For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I will be. So if two or three are gathered in a church, no matter what or wherever you are, you can gather in the open air. God will be with you. Jesus will be with you. The other thing is, prayer precedes the coming of the Holy Spirit. We read in Acts 1, don't we? that they, the, the first apostles and the, the first believers all joined together constantly in prayer. And what happened? The Holy Spirit came and it came over them and like tongues on their heads. And then in Acts 2, we read, Every believer was faithfully devoted to following the teachings of the apostles. Their hearts were mutually linked to one another, sharing communion and coming together regularly for prayer. And then that passage we read this morning, Acts 4. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, <coughs> you made the heavens and earth and the sea and everything in them. <coughs> Excuse me. 
Yes, <clears throat> excuse me, got my voice. <coughs> well, yes, when, when they came together, <coughs> excuse me, <clears throat> they got together in that place and the Holy Spirit was with them. The place shook. Wow, I wished I could be there in that prayer meeting. I don't know about you. I often, when we were in our prayer meeting, we were praying together, I often pray and say, Lord, come, shake this place. Oh, do you long for God to come and shake your church? Do you <coughs> long for God to come and shake you? To experience the power of God, to experience the Holy Spirit in our lives, to experience the blessings of God in our lives. And then Peter was in prison. Well, and the church was earnestly praying to God for his, <coughs> for his deliverance. <coughs> for his release, excuse me. And what happened? Peter was released and he went and knocked on the door and they opened the door and they couldn't believe it. They'd been praying for Peter to be released and there he was. God had answered their prayer and he'd released them. You know, God chooses to make his presence known to each one of us. You know, praying together greatly increases our unity. It joins our hearts. You know, praying together helps us become aware of the needs of others and to support them. You know, praying together brings forth a breakthrough. You know, I sometimes think that we haven't even touched the breakthrough which God has for us yet. I was privileged to go with Josh to, to the Israel. And um, we went to the, uh, the, the, the Wailing Wall, the Western Wall. And I was privileged to pray at the Wailing Wall. I took my Bible with me and I read a couple of Psalms. And apart from praying and reading those scriptures, I couldn't talk anything else. Such was the presence of God in that amazing place but as we read Psalm 24 it says who may ascend the hill of the Lord only those with clean hands and pure hearts now the, 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 the uh, ritual was for the, the Jews was that they before they went onto the temple mounts they went through the ceremonial bath and so they had to go up onto the, 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 the holy place through this washing process to wash them away So often we forget that prayer also brings repentance. We need to cleanse ourselves so we can then be transported into the presence of God. Perhaps it's ourselves we don't actually get to that point of cleansing. Perhaps we don't actually completely give ourselves to the Lord. But you know, prayer is the most important activity that we can ever, ever do. You know, prayer brings the miraculous. Now sometimes it's very difficult, isn't it? I can remember we had two ladies in our own church and we anointed them with oil. We prayed for them. We wanted to see miraculous healing. But the tremendous thing is that God always answers prayer, sometimes not in the way we want it to. And I believe that God answered a prayer in those ways. 
the one lady who wasn't a Christian, she gave a lot to the Lord before she passed on. The other lady made a tremendous witness to all her friends by being fully nude and baptised. And all her school friends came, school teacher friends, and it was a tremendous blessing. But sometimes we, we're so disappointed ourselves while praying for that particular thing. But God does release the miraculous. Praying together brings prophetic revelation and discernment. So in conclusion, I want this morning to challenge you to pray. I want to challenge you to pray like you've never prayed before. To pray for your fellowship. To pray for our communities. To pray together. To pray in our house groups. To pray as families. <coughs> you know, I believe yesterday, as I've said, we haven't touched the power of God in prayer yet. And there's more. There is more. There is more. Do you want more of God this morning? Oh, can I have a big amen? Do you want more of God this morning? Yes, that's, we can say it a bit louder than that, can't we? That's cool. Do you want more of God this morning? Yes. yes. Brilliant, yes. So remember, pray, pray, pray. If you get a chance, read some of the books about revival. Read about the prayer meetings. Read about the tremendous change that's happened through prayer. And then start praying for your families, for your church, and for our nation, because it needs it. Thank you for listening. Let's just finish with prayer. I thank and praise you, Lord, that uh, we can come to your house and you can challenge us about prayer. And I would pray, Lord, that for each one of us, you might convict us to want to pray more and more and more, to see our own lives changed, see our churches change, and see our communities change, Lord, and see our country change, that your name might be honoured once again. In the lovely and precious name of Jesus. Amen.